Welcome to the Little Things Podcast, where each and every episode will give you an appreciation for the little things in life, shift your perspective on a day-to-day basis, and help you discover the unmatched potential that lies in all of us. On this episode of the Little Things Podcast, Emily Carrico and I discuss her past and the many lessons that she has learned. In a text message with Emily, she couldn't have said it any better. I'm happy to say I'm in a great place in my life, and those rough patches have certainly led me there. Emily has learned to create the brightest of times from the darkest of places. Enjoy this in-depth analysis of her journey, and enjoy the little things. Emily Carrico. How are you? I'm fantastic. Welcome to the studio. Quite <laughs> official. I don't know. I'm very, I'm very impressed. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's definitely a good vibe in here. And uh, I'm glad you were able to make it here. I'm, I'm glad to have you. And I've been looking forward to this uh, for the last day, I can say, <laughs> right? <laughs> Since we planned this out all of 24 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, I'm glad you're here. So you know, in the last 24 hours, I've had some time to think about you and, and everything we talked about, you know, last night and just what you have done with your experiences in life and how they've made you who you are. And it really, you know, not only caught me by surprise, but allowed me to reevaluate where I stand in my life. And I think everything that that you told me, you know, as as little as it was, everything you said really put things into perspective for me, you know? And I think that um, the value that the things that you said had to me, I think would be of great value to other people as well. So, yeah. Well, I'm flattered to hear that. (laughs) It's quite quite the compliment. For sure. So um, for you mentally, right, things um, took a turn, you could say, at at some point in your life, you know, whether it was going from good to bad or bad to good. Um, What was... I guess we can just go ahead and start here. The the biggest turning point for you in your life, good or bad? Good or bad. Um, I would say the biggest bad turning point for me in my life was when I was in middle school. I decided to drop out of like an extracurricular activity and I told the woman who was running it and uh, she was not very thrilled with that idea. And so she... Basically, I had my first panic attack in front of her. And rather than, you know, taking me to a nurse or something, she just kind of put me in a room with her and really freaked me out. Um, and after that, I just had this really negative association with school, right? So as I told you, like, I hardly graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I did here at college, here at IU. Um, but yeah, that was massive for me. It kind of opened this floodgate of anxiety that I had no idea that I had. Uh, it was just kind of a perfect storm of events, I guess. So. For sure, and th- you said that it was in in high school. It was in middle school. Oh, it was in middle actually. school. So yeah, it started like that the, early. Yeah, like the end of middle school. And I think that things had been building up, you know, but I I wasn't quite aware of it. It just kind of that's when it came out. So yeah, it kind of just kind of just happened. Yeah, for sure. And was there any like did did those feelings lead to anything? Like did did that feeling that you had, you know, of anxiety, caused you to change your lifestyle in any way? Oh, yeah. I mean, drastically. Um, I mean, after that, I 
that was the end of my eighth grade year and then obviously I switched schools went to high school and I hardly attended I think I maybe made it to four weeks total of my freshman year of high school like throughout the entire year um so I yeah that was drastic I mean that was very isolating um it was a huge huge challenge for me uh and then that continued into like my sophomore year I made it to three days of my uh the first semester of my sophomore year ended up transferring schools after that and even after that it took took years till I actually consistently attended school so the skipping school thing became like a very regular part of your schedule it was yeah I mean if I if I went to school that was like a miracle yeah. <laughs> you know that was right <laughs> something crazy so and what what got you to actually go to school like in those I mean they must have been very very hard times which I'm sure we'll get to but yeah. what like in that moment what made you be like all right let's go to school today oh that's such a good question um switching schools certainly helped but honestly what really made me kind of dig in my heels and say like I was going to do this it was going to be a normal thing was my dad I brought up college to him he goes well you're you're not going to go to college you know at this rate you're not going to go to college and he's always been a huge supporter of me um and of course he didn't mean in any kind of negative way but that struck like such a chord with me because I think that I'd always been such an overachiever so involved in school and activities and I still thought of myself that way which is really funny because you know I wasn't going to school it's like I was playing sports it's like I was really doing right. any of those things that I still felt were really like those Mm-hmm. values and those things that made me up so what do you think it was about you that allowed you to maintain that mentality that you felt as if you were to be overachieving if you will you know even though you were even like you're though, saying yeah. skipping school and you had your dad saying asking you if you were even going to go to college yeah well it's funny because I was talking to my mom um the other week and I'm just saying kind of what caused that shift and to her it was kind of she just said, well, you know, you've always been that way. You know, when you were a little, like, I have an older brother, and I was the first one to, you know, ride a bike without training wheels. Mm-hmm. And I was always kind of, like, outgoing, um, definitely more of a go-getter. So I think that, I don't know, just kind of a little a little life force. Yeah, definitely. So during those, those days, you know, uh, in middle school uh, and growing up when you would skip school, mm-hmm. like you're saying – what was it that you filled your day with a lot of not that much to be honest with you um I mean I'll be very candid like I had anxiety that was so bad that I'd have these kind of seizure-like episodes and I mean I went and got tested at Riley Hospital all these places because we really thought that it was uh some sort of physical something was off in my brain some sort of chemistry um and it was really entirely Um, mental so I mean I would sometimes have those for you know just hours and hours every day Um, I would sleep a lot I like I said I was pretty isolated from my friends it was a hard thing for them to understand so I didn't have a ton of friends uh, that really stuck with me through that and then once it's like my sophomore year of high school I was just smoking weed a lot you know Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah filled my day with that kind of stuff did you feel like you were in a dark place per se or was that like how was your mentality even though you you know you were thinking you were succeeding right where somebody else on the outside would say that you weren't 
mm-hmm. right? And you're in these moments and you're doing these things, you know, like sleeping and smoking weed, which, you know, aren't necessarily the most productive things, yeah. right? What was it that allows you to, you know, continue to do those things just over and over and over again? Yeah. Um, well, I certainly, I certainly wasn't delusional. You know, I knew that I wasn't doing successful things. I wasn't making the most of my days. I was very aware of that. I suppose it didn't quite click with me for a while that like if I kept doing those things, I wouldn't be able to do the things I want to do long term in my life. Um, I don't know. I suppose that I really didn't believe that I could get over that anxiety, you know, like Mm -hmm. I just had some sort of fear. I mean, I started working with, like I said, someone at Riley Hospital um, and I guess eventually a local therapist and uh, yeah, just who really specialized in anxiety. And I mean, I had, uh, what do they call it? Exposure therapy, right? So I would have like these tasks where would be like, okay, you need to go just sit in the school parking lot, you know, in your parents' car and not have a panic attack. Like it was like all these very small baby steps, you know, and the next mm-hmm. thing was like, okay, go up and like touch the door of the school and be okay with that and then go sit inside for a few minutes. Um, so this is something they had you do every day? This was, I mean, this is like, it would take me weeks to get from step to step. That gotcha. wasn't, you know, it was like right. one day I could sit in the parking lot <laughs> sure. on Tuesday, go touch the door. But yeah, I was part of what um, I suppose my therapist had me do, my parents had me do, and thank goodness for them. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, my, my parents, I can't imagine how freaked out they were throughout all of this, and they really tried their best to do everything they could, you know, in their right. power to help me. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. I mean, it, it seems like you got, you know, all the help that, you know, you, you could have mm-hmm. ever wanted. And did you feel like that help was actually beneficial to, you know, your growth and your escape from that dark place? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think when you're an angsty teenager, maybe you don't quite fully appreciate that at the mm-hmm. time. Um, but I certainly still always felt so my parents supported me. Um and yeah, that I definitely had those options and those resources, which so many people don't have. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's amazing. So when you were exposed to these, um, you know, these methods of help right through mm-hmm. your therapist and your parents uh, helping you out on such a close level, um, when all this was happening, was this something that you were seeking or was like, were, were your parents like, hey, Emily, you need you need to do this? Um. I honestly can't quite remember. I think that it was something probably the both of us wanted, but the actual want for change, I don't know. I wanted to change, but I think that I also kind of wanted a quick fix with it too, you know? Like, I think it took me a long time to be able to say I have anxiety. You know, it took me a really long time to even have that realization, Mm -hmm. which, you know, looking back, it was blatantly obvious, but... I mean, it's such a hard thing to accept, right? Yeah. Like, you feel like you're living, you know, your life and you're mm-hmm. you're doing everything that you wanted. But in reality, and, and here's the truth of the matter, is that a lot of people, you know, I, I can't necessarily say suffer from this, you know, because sometimes they just don't have a choice. But when they're in this position, like you were, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are there, it's it's really, really hard, right? Mm-hmm. So during your your time from being in that state to where you are now how did your mentality change how did you 
grow to realize that you could utilize this dark place, this uh, adversity to ultimately benefit you in the long run. Yeah, well, I think that it took years. You know, I think that that's certainly something that, like I said, I think that I wanted kind of a quick fix with things. Um, And I still wouldn't say that I'm someone who never feels anxious, you know, like if I have a test, like that can, you know, make me feel a bit anxious, um, but not nearly the way that I used to whatsoever. So I think that it took a lot of patience, a lot of kindness, um, a lot of really celebrating those small victories, which I think so frequently we don't do. You know, I think that you, I think as humans, we're impatient. We want Rome to be built in a day. We want to just be able Mm -hmm. to do the things we want to do. And, you know, we, we do believe we can do, but that work of, you know, going and touching that door, sitting in that school, like all those little baby steps. We don't always want to do those. We, we, we want the end result. For right? sure. Um, so I would say that, I mean, all of that anxiety and being in that really bad place really kind of like broke me down, you know, to like uh, just, you know, then I had to rebuild myself entirely. So I, I like to think that I'm kind of a tree with deep roots in a sense. You know what I mean? Um, Totally. Because I had to go back and reevaluate how I thought about everything and how I approach things in my life and really decide, like, you know, what do I want to do to get to where I want to be? And realizing that no one can do that for me. You know, that's something that I have to take ownership of, that I have to do all those small steps myself. Right. Um, And then also, more than that, just realizing, like, I'm capable of really whatever I set my mind to, whatever I think I'm capable of. Um, And not just, you know, attending school, but really putting those pie in the sky dreams, like, all right, I can do this. You know, I can work towards these things. Um, Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Like there's, there's (laughs) really something special about being able to recognize the fact that, you know, it's not always possible you know, to have instant gratification, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it's super, and I I guess I can't even say sometimes, in most cases, 99% of the time, right? It's what do I need to do to get where I want to be, right? Because you can't just get where you want to be. You got to do A, B, and C, and D, Mm -hmm. and all the branches that come with it and all the letters and bullet points under it, right? All that stuff needs to be covered. And that's something that you did, and it took years. And I mean, it's amazing. It's it's such a beautiful beautiful story to hear. Like mm-hmm. to just think about where you are now and where you came from, right? Like if those two people would have would talk to each other, uh-huh. just imagine, you know? Oh yeah, no, I I do think about that because sometimes, I'll be, yeah, I I think to you know my sixteen year old self and who I am now, and I would have never imagined you know the things that I would accomplish, and that's only what six six years ago. Yeah. And six years ago sounds like a long time, but also, I mean, it's really short. Like, it goes by. And I think that something I've really learned is to enjoy that process. You know, enjoy the process of growth, not be so focused on just that end point. You know, like, you really have to enjoy the whole the whole thing. Otherwise, right. you're going to miss out. And I know that's very cliche and everyone says that, but it's so true. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing to, especially for us as, as cyclists, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we can't just become good right Mm -hmm. you gotta 
you know, you got to get on the bike every single mm-hmm. day if that's something that you want. And being able to recognize what it takes to get what you want mm-hmm. is, if anything, the biggest part of the process. And and like you're saying, accepting and just having a passion for, I don't like using the grind, but uh-huh. you know what I mean? <laughs> like having a passion for the hurt, having mm-hmm. a passion for I know I need to go through this wall, right? Mm-hmm. But I want what's on the other side so mm-hmm. bad that I'm going to do everything I possibly can to go through it. Oh, and yeah. when that's your mindset, I mean, what's going to stop you ever, you know? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, you bring up cycling, and that's been a huge part of my life and really a huge part of me getting, you know, a part of my, like, recovery, I would say, from where I was. Um, I picked up a bike. Let's see here. I got a lot of stress fractures in middle school as a runner. Got hurt all the time. Could never complete a season of track or cross country, no matter how badly I wanted to. So I ended up picking up a bike because that was kind of the only thing that I was allowed to do. I I swam a bit, but I, I really didn't like swimming. So I picked up a bike, heard about this trip called The Cycles, which is uh, like a cross country cycling trip that leaves from Bloomington every year and goes to various parts of the country. Um, and you know, I told my parents I wanted to do this, and at that time I wasn't even really attending school. And they let me go on this trip, which was great, and train for it. Um, and I did it four years. The first year I made it a week, and I failed. Um, my anxiety was so new that we didn't quite know what was going on with it. You know, I had kind of like these fits, these seizures, like on that trip. We said, since say if you don't want someone on a bike that's like convulsing or something, so. I went home um, and then I decided to come back the next summer and try it again, um, which is, you know, a whole, whole other host of anxiety. Go and do something that you know you haven't succeeded at before. Um, but I really loved riding my bike. I was not fast. <laughs> I was not good. Um, it hurt a lot. Um, and yeah, I rode from San Francisco to Bloomington. Wow. And that was amazing. And something that cycling really really taught me was like going from point a to point b like first of all i love the simplicity of it you know my job every day was to get from point a to point b no matter what city that was no matter how far it was and thing is you can't control the weather you can't control how hilly the roads are you can't always control the people you're riding with or if you get a flat and the thing you can control is the attitude you bring to all of that Um, And that was such a powerful thing for me to learn that I could spend, you know, any day just, it it could be sunny and 75 and I could be miserable if I chose to be, right? Mm -hmm. And it could be storming and raining cats and dogs and like 40 degrees and I could enjoy myself. Um, And that was a really big lesson for me. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you can't say any better than that. It's, it's, it's really amazing to like recognize that everything stems from the attitude like you're saying like mm-hmm. 75 and sunny you know you want to choose to be like <laughs> nah i'm not doing this mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you're doing you know yeah. then that's the attitude that you're gonna have but yeah it's it, it's it's awesome to be able to you know really put yourself in that situation mm-hmm. right and and understand um how important it is to have a really really good attitude and mm-hmm. and how um how much power it, it it truly is to have you know a really positive attitude all the time yeah well that's really really cool so you make your way to college Mm -hmm. right yep um 
Wait, so what are you studying? I'm studying dietetics. What is so dietetics? It's the medical application of food is how I describe it. So um, clinical dietetics is when you're working in a hospital, you help people with diabetes, uh, you help cardiovascular patients. I'm personally not really looking to go into clinical dietetics. Um, maybe I'll do a couple years of that. I'd really love to be working with athletes. Um, mm. So figuring out, you know, how to yeah. properly f fuel yourself and recover. Um, yeah. Do you have a plan for the future? Well, I'm graduating in May um, and I just finished applying for all the dietetic internships, which is <coughs> essentially a year long program um, where you pay to work basically and you do rotations in different areas. So I found I find out um, April 7th, the week of the race where <laughs> I'm placed. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but it's, it's super exciting. So I'll either be in Indianapolis in Tennessee, in Montana, or Oregon. So I have no idea where Options. I will end up. Yeah, yeah but I'm totally. excited. Well, I guess you're not really choosing where. Yeah, that's that's and that's the goofiest thing is you can. Uh, they have a whole strange matching system of basically wherever you match with, that's where you okay. go. Nice. So yeah, I kind of I kind of like that. I kind of like that's like left up to fate a little bit. You For know? sure. Yeah. So, no, that's really cool. It's a great attitude to have. Yeah. So well, then I'll complete that program, become a registered dietitian. And then from there, I don't know. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you, do you like that I don't know part? Is yeah. that is that something that yeah. you enjoy? Yeah. That's something that I definitely wanted. There's an option to go and do a master's along with this um, program. And that's something that I probably want to take some time to go figure out, go live a bit, um, and then come back to. Uh, so, yeah, I think there are experiences to be gained before I really hone in on what I'd want to go into even higher education for. Um, yeah, I'm super excited because it's, I mean, it's unknown, but like, I'm thrilled about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So what inspired you to get into uh, dietetics? Um, well, a whole multitude of things, really. Um, what really got me into it, I'd say, is I found out I had a gluten intolerance. Um when I was in high school. So I had to really change up like my whole diet. Um, started reading food labels, got very interested in that. <laughs> but before that, as you know, I had a complicated relationship with food. We were talking about this last night, mm -hmm. but um, I actually had seen a dietitian even before I knew what that was, because uh, I was bulimic for a bit in middle school. Um, so I think kind of having that eating disorder background and, you know, of course, when you have an eating disorder, you're quite interested in food, not necessarily in the best ways. But recovering from that, um, being interested in cooking and baking my whole life, and then really starting to look at what was in the food that I was eating definitely led me to, to want to be in dietetics. So That's pretty cool. I like all those. Uh, I mean, you got a multitude of reasons, right? Yeah. Like, you got the good <laughs> and the bad. But um, your experience with... Uh, Bulimia is is really really interesting. We talked a little bit about it last night, but I mean you mentioned how how short it how short it was But mm -hmm. what ultimately did you take from that experience in and of itself? Oh Wow, um I suppose that what I got from it was that People do a lot of things for reasons you don't always understand and you do a lot of things for reasons You don't always understand at the time so, like I said, this was before I really had this whole issue with anxiety. 
the anxiety was there you know it's just coming out in ways like through this uh eating disorder um and yeah 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 no it is interesting that sometimes like you're saying we we just do things right mm -hmm. and we don't necessarily know why or or where it's coming from or you know sometimes we feel like things are out of out of our control but i remember you saying yesterday that you know you you know you being able to have control over one mm -hmm. thing you know allowed you mm -hmm. to at least feel as if you were in control yeah yeah and that's i mean it, it's definitely weird to think about mm -hmm. but it makes perfect sense yeah. right it's like the one thing that you were searching for was just to be in control of everything and and this allows you to have that. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, and I think that's something that's very classic with eating disorders. You know, that I'm in dietetics and we talk about this sort of thing. Um, it is something where quite frequently, I mean, athletes will do this sometimes. It's like they kind of have everything in their life controlled except for what they eat. So they want control over that. Mm. Uh, that can kind of be an outlet for it. And yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think that that was something that I felt my body deserved or I deserved or I could do that would somehow better me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's scary stuff to think about now, but thankfully it was pretty short-lived. And really what did it was, I mean, I was going to track practice and swim practice and all of that, and I noticed my times were dropping off. You know, like I was weighing less and less but I was not getting faster you know I wasn't fueled enough um and I had a close friend who was uh going through a much more severe eating disorder at the same time and I think having that care for her and seeing how she was treating her body and how it was affecting her was really heartbreaking and then you realize you're doing the same thing yeah you're like well I I can't keep doing this um so like I said I think that I got very lucky that that was such a short-lived thing um Cause it's certainly something that some people you know die from or it goes on for years and you know mine was probably three to six months and I can't even really remember at this point but right it's it's I don't I don't want to say cool in this uh -huh. in this situation but it's kind of um I guess beneficial to you and your mm -hmm. circumstance that you had that friend so close to you that you were able to you know see them going through something similar to your you know experience and you were able to recognize the fact that hey what they're doing is like not something that they should be doing but hey i'm i'm doing the same thing yeah. and i need to stop and it's really cool that um you know despite what you were going through back back then during that time you were able to admit to yourself the truth and where mm -hmm. you actually were and then you know i guess set a plan to figure a way out of it yeah yeah exactly cool. and I think um I mean you never want someone going through that but I think that my friend and I did benefit from you know we we possibly encouraged each other which I think is you know with an eating disorder that could have gone the opposite way but I think we were both rooting for each other and you had someone to empathize with um and someone who could kind of you felt like could kind of understand it. So yeah, and thankfully she recovered from that. Uh, we're still really great friends. Yeah, totally. And yeah. <laughs> well, cool. So during that time, <clears throat> what was the, um, you know, how did your friend groups, how did your friends and, um, you know, the people you saw on a day-to-day -day basis, how did they react 
you know like how did they 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 likely more likely than not saw you know your physical changes Mm -hmm. were they is that something they talked to you about yeah i mean they were keep hitting this um they were certainly concerned about it and they actually went to like a guidance counselor and told them and that's how my parents found out which at the time was you know horrifying and traumatizing for me but certainly what needed to happen um and yeah they were concerned they were supportive for sure um yeah i mean we were in middle school so it's it's kind of funny because i feel like you have a pretty limited scope of being able to uh cope with a lot of things in middle school so right but they were yeah yeah that's true they could have been so right well cool yeah no and it is interesting that you're saying like it it is middle school after all you know yeah like how much of what we're doing are we doing for a reason how much of what we're doing are we doing you know just to say we're doing it or Mm -hmm. how much how many of us were were followers back then you know just it's really interesting to think about that you know and like even now for me this is the first time that I've thought about it like Mm -hmm. is is leading something that actually exists back then you know is Mm -hmm. is uh leading by example who knows I don't know I mean I bet there's some experts out there yeah yeah I mean it's an interesting time because I think it's kind of uh some of the first times you're becoming aware of the people around you and the world around you I think your view really expands and yeah yeah It, it is a weird time for sure I feel like it's always that time that people remember is like that awkward, yeah. awkward point in their life. <laughs> totally. I know very few people that are like, yeah, I peaked in middle school. Totally. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Um, yeah, so did did this time of, in, in your life, and, and I, we had talked about it a little bit uh, yesterday as well. Um, was it this period in your life where relationships were affected, or was it in high school where um you know you had that that relationship that didn't necessarily go um yeah as you liked so that was yeah I was seeing this person from I believe about my junior year of high school okay so it was, it was much much later year of college so it was yeah it was a while um yeah and that's certainly something that I still kind of recognize as a pretty pivotal point in my life um yeah so like you said we talked about this last night but I met someone we had a really great relationship for a while and then after a bit it turned uh pretty abusive you know and that was a huge surprise to me um and it's funny because yet again when you're in something you don't always realize you know like I never was in it and was like oh this is an abusive relationship this is what this is like you know because I never thought that I would be someone that end up in that kind of situation I've always been pretty headstrong and uh, pretty independent and like you know taking myself seriously and I suppose when you think people being in abusive relationships you think people that are a bit weak or come from you know a family that perpetuated that or something along those lines um and that wasn't all the case for me so it was kind of difficult to recognize those signs but absolutely yeah and it is very very difficult like you're saying to be in that situation and although you've done a great job of of recognizing so many things in your life even at such a young age regardless your age like being in a situation where you feel like everything is the way it should be Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's it's a defense mechanism for the wrong reason right like it's yeah it's almost like 
something in your brain is convincing you to stay in this situation that Mm -hmm. you know you shouldn't be staying in you have a bad feeling about it yeah but for you that's the right thing to do and it just yeah. yeah certainly and I think that that's a big a big question um I mean certainly I don't discuss this all the time like I said it's not my conversation starter but when I brought it up to people sometimes the question you get is like well why would you stay in that you know why on earth would you do that and go back to that and you you know don't you know better um and you know when you're in it like you love someone mm-hmm. you think that they love you um and I think that my case was honestly very classic once I reflected on it you know you think that you're sticking with this person when they're going through a hard time uh you think that you're doing things wrong um and that's what they will tell you right um and it was funny because i suppose i didn't talk about it that much at the time but you know i would show up places and i'd have bruises on my arms or things like that and people would ask questions but no one was quite like you're in an abusive relationship what earth are you doing you yeah. know they, pr- they probably assumed that I was aware of that and it's crazy that I just wasn't um but yeah it's it's interesting to reflect on it um and I kind of felt like at the time I was almost seeing two different people you know there's a person that I really loved and had this great relationship with for years and then there was a person that just you know you wouldn't recognize and they would do these things and then the next day act like it never happened uh, and it was so confusing and certainly something that took me time to like process and work through um, as I think it would anyone so yeah definitely so how did that situation come to an end I mean as as difficult as it was I'm sure to you know to, to fade that part of your life out of your life mm-hmm. how um, did it, how did it ultimately fade away well I can say it was certainly kind of a process that dragged out um, you know, you wish you just kind of wake up one day and be like, all right, this is done. Uh, but it took it took time. Um, and I think more than anything, I realized that I wasn't aware of this person was capable of. Um, and that it, yeah, I, I suppose I, yeah, just realized that I didn't know what could happen if I stayed in it. Um, and then, unfortunately, you know, after even after we ended things, it drug out, like, this person had, you know, followed me on rides or would show up at my house or my parents' house or these things that are, you know, very, like, I mean, I was frightened and this kind of re-sparked my anxiety for a while. Like, I was worried this person was just going to show up at my house in the middle of the night or, you know, I was going out in public or to places that I knew they might be made me really anxious. Um, yeah, and like I said, I think that it takes time and I was talking to my coach about this. He's one of my greatest mentors, someone who's really helped me through so many things in my life. Um, And one of the things he told me was time heals all wounds, you know? And that was something that I really didn't believe for a while there. You know, I thought that I'm never going to feel safe doing most things. And, you know, kind of felt like I I was walking around campus with just like a two ton, you know, weight in my stomach. And, you know, eventually, you sort through it yeah. and uh, you realize there's another side and you're right. going to be okay. So totally what it take for you to, uh, you know, start unloading some weight off your shoulders. Um, I think reflecting on it 
and talking about it certainly helped because it was something that I kept to myself so much. Um, I think really coming to the realization that these things had happened, but they didn't happen because of me. Right. You know, it didn't happen because it was something that I deserved or because I'd done something or said something or whatever it was. Um, and I think, you know, when you're in those relationships, that person wants to make you feel very small and powerless um, for whatever reason. And I think realizing that I'm someone who is very powerful, that is very strong, that has great control over my life and what I do um, certainly helped. So, yeah. Right. We have these these people in our lives to, uh, you know, help us grow, help us make mm-hmm. make us feel better about ourselves and, and really help us improve. And, and to be in a situation uh, where that is not the case is definitely something that... Um, anybody and everybody should do the best they can to get out of Mm -hmm. so yeah I think it's I think it's really cool that that you uh again were able to recognize you know this situation is not where I want to be yeah I'm out yeah certainly and I think that it's something that uh I mean there's a stigma around it of course um and I think that it's something that people don't really talk about enough yet yeah um so you know, I'm happy to be able to talk about it. And once I talked about it, there are a lot of women around me that had really similar experiences. And it was, you know, of course, that's very sad. Um, and something you never want to have happen. But I was so surprised by how many women have been in similar situations. And also were still some of the most, you know, confident and wonderful women that I knew. Um, yeah, so and it's also one of those things that for a while I was like, I just wish I'd never met this person. I wish that this had never happened, that this wasn't part of my life, that nothing, you know, I I thought nothing positive could ever come from that situation. Um, And with some time, I realized that, you know, would I ever choose to go through that again? Of course not. But I think that it gave me a really great sense of who I am. Um, And it really made me a lot more empathetic, a lot more compassionate, um, a lot more loving of myself and of others. So mm-hmm. there's always, you know, there are always lessons to come out of even those unfortunate situations. Right. And it's, I mean, e- you know, every single day of everybody's life, we're experiencing all of these things that are breaking us down. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it's really up to us to accept the situation as it is and do every everything in our power to allow us to not only grow, but create a situation for ourselves that is better and stronger than before right and certainly i mean that it's an amazing thing to be able to do that and Mm -hmm. it it doesn't just happen right like it's it's something that comes with time you got to practice over and over again and you know you'll fail you'll you'll be beaten down um i hope not literally and you know (laughs) like those things are going to happen and it's just really really important to be able to recognize that and and grow and develop from it and you know it's really important for you to do that right Mm -hmm. but uh you know helping other people do the same thing and just surrounding yourself with others with the same mentality is just Mm -hmm. it's uh it it goes farther than than anybody could ever imagine yeah yeah certainly it's turning those uh those challenges into opportunities i think um yeah making a lemonade out of lemons right so yeah (laughs) i think what you said about having people uh, having people around you that are the same way or that you can share that with is so 
you know, so powerful and having a community. I mean, that's massive, you know, humans really, really need that. Um, and I think being able to be vulnerable and to share things, I mean, with the people that deserve to know that kind of information, um, really helps people grow stronger. I think there's a lot of shame out there. There's a lot of fear. And I think when you bring to light these issues, people feel so much more comfortable and confident and you're not, you know, just isolated. You know, you feel like, okay, like, I mean, you, you can relate to people, right? Um, mm-hmm. and you can feel yeah, just more comfortable. I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it just, it, it's such a cool thing to recognize that everybody is, for the most part, everybody's going through the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're not necessarily going through the exact same problems. We don't all have the same issues. We're not mm-hmm. all in the same relationships. We're not all suffering from, from the same um, disorders or diseases or whatever it is that we have going on in our life. More likely than not, we're not in the same position, mm-hmm. but we all have something. And it's all of our jobs on a day-to-day basis to not only help ourselves get through that, mm-hmm. but to help other people get through that as well. And I've always said support systems are one of the most important things in helping people maintain a healthy um, a healthy lifestyle, a, a healthy mental state, you know, which of course has many benefits to it physically and beyond. But yeah, just I, I would encourage you know, all, all the listeners out there to to go be a support system. Find somebody to support and, and hopefully in turn they will support you back. And with that, it's just amazing, you know, what we as humans can do. The The possibilities are really endless mm-hmm. to what we can accomplish if we just, you know, help each other and, and be there yeah. when needed, when called yeah. upon. And I love that. Um, yeah, I definitely, I love that. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Blue Zones. I have not. Okay, so there are these uh, blue zones in the world, right? And there are these areas where people, they have the most, is it centennials? The people that live the longest, the most people that live to be mm. over 100. And so I've started researching, you know, what what makes these populations live so long. And they, they have a definition, too. They want it to be um, kind of a full life, for better words. They want it to be that you're actually, you know, you're not someone who's on a, ventilator and 103 and that's how you've been for the past 15 years right um, yeah. so they, they want you to be very very much living and like they want a quality of life the quality yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that's exactly what i'm searching for so um and they go and they look at their diets and they you know look at their locations and all of this stuff and really what they've found um it's been the most consistent across the board is just these people have communities you know, these people have uh, people they can rely on. They're very connected. Um, and I think that that's something right now that's so pivotal because I think that it's really easy, especially with social media and technology, to kind of put yourself in your little silo, right? Yeah. And just kind of do your own thing. Um, and, you know, I think I think cultivating communities and making the time to meet up with people, be in person, um, yeah take time out of your day for those people that really matter to you is just so important and i mean it shows you know yeah. you, you live a lot longer absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah. i mean if it's not going to happen instantly you uh you'll get it on the other side yeah right? well cool i um i think now it's time to and we missed it or i guess i missed it on 
uh, last week's episode, but my favorite um, segment of this show, I like to call it the little things moment of the week. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with this? I am not. No. Okay, so basically what we're going to do is this. Each of us will go and we'll just, you know, talk about something, uh, a, a little moment, a little thing that happened during our week, or perhaps it's something that didn't even happen at all that we wish would happen more of, you mm-hmm. know, um, just something, something little that impacted us in a way, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I'll go ahead and go first and, and I'll leave you some time to think about it. But uh, my little thing moment of the week is as follows. So... Um, both of us have been uh, for the last two weeks training all of the rookies mm-hmm. in the uh, Little Five Hundred community how to ride safely uh, on the track, right? In preparation for this year's Little Five Hundred, and for me, it was a, a, a very um, it, it was a very impactful experience for me, right? Like all we were really doing was teaching these kids everything that we know. Mm-hmm. you know but oh yeah only only teaching them everything we know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but like beyond that it was it was such a meaningful experience for me you know like my freshman year our freshman year um and to, or at least in 2016 which was mm-hmm. the the spring of our freshman year that's when we learned mm-hmm. everything that was taught to us by those seniors mm-hmm. and those riders riders council members so to be on the other side like teaching those kids you know and you know, some of those kids are going to be RC members one day mm-hmm. and that uh, tradition is just going to continue on and on. So I just thought it was super special that these these kids, you know, are are off on a new beginning, you know, mm-hmm. and some of them are going to get as far as us and some of them will will, you know, get a new beginning and go a different path. But yeah, that's my that's my little things moment of the week. I just thought it was it was yeah. special. You know? No, I love that. Yeah. Um, that's wow. I'm going to steal yours. Um I can definitely echo that, just that, I mean, to me, a bike has been so impactful. You know, it's really helped me get through so many struggles in my life, and I've seen the country, and I've met so many wonderful people, and one of the things I just love about the Little 500 is that it's accessible to just about everyone, right? You don't have to, you know, you don't even have to know how to ride a bike, Mm -hmm. and you could be doing this race before you know it, Um, and I think just that idea of, like, everyone has to start somewhere. And being there and working with people on, you know, the little things, the small yeah. things, um, and just not knowing where they're going to take it. Because I really think that a bike, you know, serves a different purpose to everyone. Um, and whether that's just, you know, they're just riding this race once and be done with it, it'll be a great experience for them. Um, or if some will, you know, go on and be a pro. We could have next Peter Sagan. We don't yeah. know. <laughs> right. So I think just, yeah, it's wonderful to feel like you maybe help someone in a small way along that journey so totally yeah no it's it's very special I uh I'm glad we we, the two of us you know of course Mm -hmm. we're able to share that uh, experience with all those rookies but yeah it's definitely uh definitely something that I'm thankful for at the uh the little 500 community yeah for sure it's been uh it's been amazing well that's what I like to end with you got anything else to add no, thank you for having me. I love Yeah, this it's been setup. a pleasure. This was amazing. Um, Emily, thank you for being here. Seriously, uh, maybe one day we could we could run it back and we'll uh, you know talk it over and, and see how we're doing then. But yeah. thank you for being here. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Little Things Podcast. If you did, 
please share it with a friend and leave a review through the Apple Podcast app. If you or someone you know wants to be a guest on the Little Things Podcast, or if you'd like more information about the show, please visit thelittlethingspodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to enjoy The Little Things. Until next time, TLT out.